After all this, you still... I still want that gas, yes. And you had better deliver. Hey, listeners. Welcome back to Greenhouse Gaslighting. I've got some friends from college with me to discuss the never-ending uh, topic that is masculinity. So, I'll introduce our panel. Uh, first up, we got Obata. Hey, everyone. Hi, Adi. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, my pleasure. Ready to talk about this topic as uh, as a man and ready to see where we stand on it, you know? It's going to be a good conversation. All right. Next up, we got John. Uh, hi, I'm John. Um, I'm excited to, to dive into this topic. It'll be a good one. Um, yeah. And we also got Alex. What's going on, man? What up, though? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. So what prompted this uh, discussion, Obata, you reached out to me earlier and you said, you know, this whole Twitter situation over Lil Nas X and his Call Me By Your Name video, uh, it triggered you to want to talk about this topic. And it, it's funny to me that we're still on the topic of Lil Nas uh, being gay because I thought we we discussed this two years ago. <laughs> and whether it's the, yeah. you know, the circular nature of uh, social media or whether it's just how insular everything is, like, I feel like the same people are discussing the same shit over and over again. It's just every time the music video drops, we get into this. People need something to be mad at. Yeah, it's it's a lot of performative outrage, in my opinion. I mean, he, I, I'm old enough to remember uh, What What in the Butt, if anyone saw that video. <laughs> <laughs> Don't date yourself, man. Don't date yourself. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm I'm only 24, man. But again, like that video started with a burning cross, and like I think everyone just conveniently yeah. forgot about that. Wow. I actually yeah. did, yeah. I 100%. But yeah, I just thought, you know, I think also I I should personally preference like I'm I'm not a smart person. I don't know the terminology for a lot of stuff. Uh, no, that's perfect. You're on a podcast, man. That's what that's what us not smart people I, I do. Know, <laughs> I need no, I need no knowledge. But you know, I'm just talking from personal experience. But I just find it interesting the way that the the conversation comes up. Like, like you said, Adi, it's kind of it's kind of circular. Like we had the whole Harry Styles thing and him wearing a dress, and now it's Little Nas and how he is a Satanist and how he acts. <laughs> and it's just really interesting how people still have this very, um, I mean, I don't know, like traditional, is that even the right word for it? A traditional perception of what it means to be like a man and how you should present That's yourself. A... And I think it's a, it's just a really interesting thing that like keeps coming up. Yeah, and it, it prompts the question like, so what is a man? Because that never comes up in any of this and that's, you know, to center my lived experiences. Um, <laughs> like, that's something that's been an alienating question for me, is how how do you be a man? And that's dictated by cultural context, that's dictated by class in ways that we don't talk about. And I guess college is really the time, like, I was really thinking about that question as well as, like, high school. But um, it was a real time that I was internalizing a lot of stuff I was hearing from, you know, tumblr sjw forums to like twitter and some of the political discourse surrounding me too and then how that was kind of dashed by both trump and biden in effect right mm -hmm. um i think i came of age in a time where a lot was being done to make you hyper aware 
of being masculine, but nothing was actually being said or done <clears throat> when it came to contextualizing or understanding that masculinity. Does that make sense? Well, I feel like, I feel like, um, kind of, especially what you said about coming to age, I feel like that's a good point. Like, we're kind of being a lot more aware on, like, this is masculine, this is feminine, but I feel like where we're moving as a society, or maybe this might just be less, like, hopeful, stupid optimism, but I feel like masculinity, femininity, I feel like th those type of conforming gender roles type, I feel like that's becoming a lot less important. Um, Imagine if someone like Lil Nas X got as big and as popular as he did in the 60s and did something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it would, we would be talking about it. Yeah, but he might be dead in a ditch somewhere. Like, it, you know, like... It, it, I mean, that's why everyone like, in that age kept it on the DL. You know what I mean? And true. You, you yeah, hear exactly. about, like, well, they were secretly gay. And part of it is like, okay, that means all these songs. It's funny to think about it being a man instead of a woman. But I think, you know, we definitely don't uh conceive of the pressures that queer people were under historically or even in the present. Oh yeah. Um but I, I guess I feel that, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like that's a that's a really good point. Like there's like that's cause that's kinda what the whole video was about, right? Like um the reason why he was like flying on a pole, you know, down to that to to the devil and all that was because like he's been gay, he's told people he's gay, and they told him he was going to hell, you know, like... So he just like, busted open and, like, you know, exactly. chopped down, you know, like... Like, <laughs> like why, why wouldn't you, you know? Pop something for Satan, you know? Like, oh my, my point... <laughs> my point is that, like, it's... it's. I feel like it's really unfortunate, because if you watch the video, like, that's the obvious message he's sending. You know, it's not like he's hiding the fact that, like, oh, I'm actually a secret Satanist. Like, no, he's... It, right. It's very clear that he's doing this as like a response to the people who told him he's going to hell. And it's really unfortunate that the conversation, I saw this on, I saw a post on Reddit and it was like, it's very unfortunate that the conversation shifted from the pains and struggles and burdens that um, the LGBT um, community have faced, you know, today and in the past that instead of, instead of focusing on that conversation, we're now talking about the, the pissed off evangelical Christians who think that, you know, you know, if you know, if you stray one hair away from masculinity or femininity, you're going straight to the depths of hell. And like, that's not really, you know, the I guess the point of the video was to highlight, you know, the struggles. And now we're highlighting literally the people who are trying to oppress us. Well, let, let's delve into the video a little further, um, because my read on this and I'm kind of one of those people who's a bit of a formalist when it comes to music videos. Like maybe some music videos are the artist trying to convey a greater point. Or maybe it was just something they thought aesthetically made sense for the song. Or maybe the music video was just fun. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we don't sure. need to read deeply into it, right? But what got me about the video, and maybe this is, you know, speaking to my lived experiences um, as a <laughs> queer man, right? But mm -hmm. what I saw is that, you know, what Lil Nas really is, is that he has more masculine traits in the, you know, twink to bear uh, spectrum that uh, that you know we discuss in the gay community, right? But um, he's more on the trunkish side. Uh, trunkish side. He's you know athletic of build. He has facial hair. He has like you know um, what we traditionally call like you know that male look, right? Mm -hmm. And whether he dances in a suggestive or effeminate way, that contrast is you know what queer artists like to. Uh, play around it is the contrast between the masculine and the feminine and that's just been uh, part of the artistic tradition 
for years, going back to when we understood queer people, right? And it, that just all went over my head when I saw, like, just people like, oh, he's dancing with the devil. There we go. There we go. It's, it's Satan worship. And I just, I didn't, I, I don't know if that's because, you know, I don't come from a Christian background or if that's because I'm just so alienated from the condition of it. But it didn't, it didn't read as straight to me until I saw how people reacted. So yeah. I guess my question for you, Eddie, was what, what was your first, like, what was your first take on the video? No, no Twitter, no, no, you know, no preconceived. No okay, things. first. When you first watched the video, what was your first take? I saw it, I'm like, damn, this is some gay shit. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's really it. <laughs> but I think that's, like, Adi, you made a really good point. Like, Little Nas X is, like, to me, he is the, one of the definitions of a man. Like, it's such a, like broad spectrum and for me being a man is just being confident embracing who you are and for him he's a very artistic outgoing just like all over the place person so for me that was like wow look at him doing what he wants and being comfortable in what he's doing i mean yeah if you can troll people while you're doing it it's like it's, it's a win-win all the icing on the cake know? yeah mm-hmm. right exactly so for me it was like a it's kind of funny how people are painting him like that when to me it's the exact opposite like this is one of the many definition definitions of being a man to me yeah yeah i agree with that you know i i agree with you obata but like only because of what i know you know you know i guess like yes growing up you know growing up when people say be a man they would never point to little nas x you know what i mean well they never point in my case they never pointed to another man either that's that's what's tricky for me. I mean, I don't know if that's specific for just me or. I think no. I think that's a really good point because I remember, um, like, when my dad was like, you know, he, he be a man. I'm going to teach you how to be a man. He, you're right. He would never point me to another dude that's like be like him or be like me. Oftentimes, he'd point me to like fictional characters. So not even you know, himself, he, but like fictional characters. Yeah, like 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 he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, like oh, a good example of like a fictional character who was like the epitome of masculinity, not even in a negative way, but like Captain America. You know, like I was thinking him too. <laughs> literally, like like Captain America is like the peak masculine dude. You know, he's he's yeah, he's true. he's big physically. He's courageous. He you know he has all the masculine traits everybody wants. Right, but like. The, the funny thing is, like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna tell someone how to be a man, like, we should start with, like, you know, real world examples, and why would Lil Nas X fit in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, um, I don't know, it's interesting, because for, for me, what I, like, grew up kind of noticing is that a lot of the men in, uh, my community and, like, my family, like, a lot of them are, like, very, emotionally reserved like that's just kind of how they were raised to be and how they're like just very strict and not expressive and like i'm i mean you guys know i'm very <laughs> i can get very animated at times <laughs> so <laughs> john and alex have played uh, video games with me so I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like it just like it didn't connect to me like even from an early age i saw like this doesn't seem right like this almost seems like an act that people are trying to put on and that's kind of part of it is that it's this idea of masculinity but no one really knows how to do it like john said he does point to people who don't really exist and people who can't really people can't really portray that in real life 
Yeah, yeah, and it's like masculinity is this weird like uh, specter that you have to live up to, and it's very nebulously defined. And ultimately, when it comes to who people deem a man and who isn't, it's really up to their personal um, approvals of the people who they think are deserving of the title. I think that's such a that's such a that's such, that's such a good point, by the way. Like especially the fact that like. It's it's literally up to whoever looks at it and goes, is this a man or is this not? And that's that's such a problem in and of itself because there's no actual set definition. Like there's no way to go. This is objectively what a man would do. This is you know like there's it's all subjective. We all literally have no idea what we're doing, and <laughs> we're just yeah. pretending like we do. You know like yeah. like that's such which a is the most problem. masculine so, like, thing to do if you think about it. Honestly, <laughs> but but I feel like um, I feel like. That's such a big problem because, like, when it comes down to like, like a father teaching his son, you know, how to be a man. Like, where do you where do you start at? You know, like, if everything is subjective, if you know, if you're just guessing, why not just let the kid figure it out on his own, out on his own? Or, or why not? Like, why are you? I don't know. Like, what's the point of trying to pass that down when there's no actual when it's all subjective, anyways? Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because we can clearly draw. And I don't know if this is from the virtue of my perspective or if this is um, something that's a little more common, but femininity has been a little more not only well-defined, both in patriarchal and matriarchal societies, but it because of things like feminism, because of um, the social sciences, I think those experiences and those um, identities are better packaged and better understood as of late and because of you know social conservatism or um male chauvinism or what have you it's kind of led to a refusal to understand what makes a man a man and i find that kind of um not exactly dangerous but it's just it doesn't seem to be useful because there's still a world for men uh, with feminism, there's still a world for men with uh, absolutely with yeah. uh, you know LGBT equality. There's a, that identity exists, and I think it's less about um, defining yourself in opposition to women or to other uh, gender identities you don't understand. It's defining yourself. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and it's, I just find it so stupid that people will like bend over backwards to like defend something that they can barely define for themselves exactly you know what i mean like masculinity is under attack okay well what is masculinity tell me what that is and how we're attacking it and you know you'll never get the same answer from two different people from two different like you'll never you never will yeah i think and i want you guys to contribute to this because this is the kind of read i've gotten is that when people do try to talk about that particularly like the right and the far right they package it as cultural signifiers and consu- and consumption choices. Being a certain kind of jacked and going to a certain kind of gym, that's being a man. Uh, buying Under Armour, that's manly shit. Eating steak and barbecue, that's manly shit. Gotta have your IPAs, man. Grilling. Grilling. And it's... <clears throat> some of these are just like... Like the whole being strong or being a provider thing, like... That's just the cultural context of being a parent at that point. I don't even know if that's like necessarily masculine. Well, I feel like it's it's more specific. Like like 
you got to remember, like, a lot of what we think is, or a lot of what our culture calls masculine are just, like, are literally just, like, 60s, just gender stereotypes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The man is the provider, you know, in order to be a provider, you have to make money, you have to have a good job, That those are all masculine things, you know? So, I don't know, I mean, I feel like you ha- like it is kind of just, like, a, a subjective in a way. But at the same time, like there there are set things that we all agree on would be called masculine. Like like you said, grilling, going to the gym, those are all masculine things. Um, but like being a parent, I don't know. I, I don't know if being a provider would be. I don't know. Would that? Would you? Would you guys call that masculine? I mean, fatherhood is masculine. That's the expi- yeah, that's well, the explicit masculine like the key, expression. But yeah. I feel like the key word in there is father. Right. Like it's it's, a, it's, a, it's definitely an aspect of fatherhood in how I understand masculinity how I grew up um, just provide and protect and John I think you brought up a good point as far as these these values being based in like old archaic traditional notions of what masculinity and being a man and even fatherhood bringing in the parental status to it is and that's also when you start to get into some of the um, nuances of what masculinity looks like for folks across different identity groups so for example John you and I are black we talk about these things being based in the 60s. We know the 60s were not a good time for black folks. Mm-hmm. Very time. true. Racial folks in general. So when it comes to me coming from over 80% black Detroit, inner city, low income status, provide and protect looks different in how those messages were communicated. What is the actual, um, the concrete way of embodying provide and protect for your family for your loved ones for the people that you have um, that you look over or guardians to and how might that be different if i were a white male in an affluent suburban neighborhood that's where i think some of that nuance comes into play Mm. because it's about context um and it's about who are where or who are you getting those messages from some people get it from church some people get it from school some people get it from peers some people get it from parents and guardians some people get it from other males. Other people more so look towards females to understand who they are as men and how they perceive. Like that socialization, really, I think is key in how people understand what masculinity even is. Into what you all have been talking about, what are the confines of masculinity? Who can or cannot be a man or masculine? When we get into queer theory, as Adi was talking about before, what really are those those trademark qualities of what makes a man a man and how can they be complicated? Why are they so rich? What can be broadened out to include more people? And is being a man or being masculine or being a father, all these things that's just gendered towards our group, do they really need to be as rigid as we've been told across all of these different contexts, culturally, racially, um, socioeconomically, or is there more room for people to be let in to truly live, wrapping back around the little Nas X, um, in more just be who we truly are and still be deemed masculine, still be deemed a man, have feminine qualities or traits and still be a man? Or, like, I was talking to a friend uh, yesterday who I'm close to, and he brought in the point of similar to queer theory more men nowadays are paying their nails does that action inherently make them less of a man or 
is it just allowing them to just be who they truly are, but that doesn't shred an ounce of their masculinity off. So just continuing to, to see people like Lil Nas X and others, talked about Harry Styles as well, just continue to push that envelope, challenge just greater society, our patriarchal society, other men as far as what masculinity is. I think that's what continually nuances this to where it's not going to be standard across different men, but I think it's a good thing. And I think the generation that's coming up behind us is so good at not giving a damn about <laughs> the traditional the traditional notions of masculinity. Oh yeah, because Gen Z is completely we, because why? They're wild. <laughs> we, we yeah. over this. It's tired at this point. <laughs> I feel like I feel like to to answer your question, Alex, about like if someone paints their nails, does that make them more or less masculine? It really does depend on like if you think masculinity is an inherent thing that people with penises have, or if you think masculinity is something you become by your actions, by your thoughts, by what you do, by the car you own, by the job you have, by the wife you love, etc. It really does depend on if it's something you grow into or if something you inherently have. So if you if you view it as something as like you grow into it, I'm I'm pretty sure someone who would think that would say, yeah, those guys are becoming less manly, less masculine. If you have what I'm assuming, what all of us might agree with, in that it's just masculinity can be whatever you want it to be. If you're a man, no, like it doesn't matter. They're they're just being who they are, and that is masculinity. Yeah, I think that's actually an interesting point because when when Alex was posing that question, I I just instinctively thought like absolutely not it does not change your masculinity at all however if we're maybe talking about like a trans kid who's painting their nails to maybe feel more feminine then i could see how it goes that way as well because so again it really just goes back to like what does it mean to you how are you how are your actions impacting you and if it makes you happy or confident in yourself then that's really what masculinity is at the end of the day yeah, and I think that point is kind of critical, um, tying both of your points together, is like, mm-hmm. the action of nail painting to me is, you know, that that to me is, is, is kind of neutral in this equation. I think right. the act of uh, doing something to beautify yourself or like being concerned with appearance, that vanity is something that uh, is often considered or dismissed as a feminine trait. Or, you know, that need to uh, pay attention to how you look is dismissed as vanity in a male chauvinist gaze, right? Um, I think some of how we dismiss um, men for not being masculine enough, I think, is also tied to resentments we have that we personally project onto other people. And I think, I mean, especially... Not to bring Twitter.com into this, the place where no one's having a normal one, right? Bring it in. Bring it in. We love it there. Again, like, what it feels like to me as of the the, the recent discourse is um, when it comes to how men and women discuss things with each other, or especially this this recent viral tweet trend of men will do X before they go to therapy. Mm -hmm. It sounds to me like um, you're taking a personal resentment out on 
the entire gender identity. And it's it wouldn't be right if you did that for another identity, you know what I mean? Like if you had a negative interaction with an Asian person and then you said, damn, Asians be like that. I mean, we would all be like, okay, okay that's kind of sus, yeah. right? But... Like it depends on context. Though. It does. Like, it does depend on context. Course, it does. I would never say that to an Asian, but like to a dude, yeah. Because let's be real, men will do literally anything before going to therapy. And I know that's a stereotype, and that is a joke, of course. But like, I feel like it's kind of like, kind of like the N word. You know, like if if I, we can claim it because we, we can we can make fun of ourselves. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, your context for making fun of yourself is different because you're part of the in-group. If I come in and do right. it, not only is then it bad, not only is it bad, it's like, dude, what the fuck? What, what is... <laughs> yeah. Like, I... oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like really, Adi kind of nailed it to me, is that like it all comes down to insecurity. I remember uh, my senior year in college, which like for us, this is only like two, three years ago now. I like, I forgot how it's it came up, but like, yeah, dude, we're old. But, oh my God. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but like, I forgot how it came up, but like, we were getting into routines, and I'm like, yeah, like, I use a face wash, and this dude called me, like, he said that was gay, and I'm like, basic hygiene is gay. Not having acne, really fellas, is it gay not to have acne? I mean, you basically washing your right. face, and that's gay. Mm. Like, I just wash my face before bed and put on some lotion, and that's gay, like, it it just really, it comes down to insecurity and just not feeling confident in yourself. So like you said, Adi, you project that onto people like uh, like the body stereotypes, like basically anything. Just people want to put others down to make themselves feel better. I feel like at that point, that's when we kind of steer the conversation into more toxic masculinity. Because I, I feel like I don't feel masculinity in and of itself is a bad thing. Absolutely not. I agree with that. I agree with super, that. You can be a super macho masculine dude and then you know not hate women like it's it's not that hard right <laughs> Wait, so are you sure <laughs> <laughs> but like i feel like i feel like the problem literally like like you guys hitting a nail on the head i feel like the problem is literally just like insecurity like and you can tell it's insecurity because it just it leaves the realm of all types of logic you know like washing your face is not gay trimming your eyebrows is not gay. Making sure you don't look like garbage in the morning <laughs> is not gay. You know, like it's like, not it's straight like, either. That's the other thing. Like it's not. It's neither. It's just a thing. Is, is drinking water gay? Is drinking water straight? Like, I don't know. You putting wet shit in your mouth? That's kind of gay, bro. Yeah. You, you're right. Man. You're right. That's pretty sus. <laughs> it's pretty sus, bro. I'm not gonna lie. I feel like I feel like the moment the moment we can have like stupid statements like those, except when people actually say that unironically that's kind of when you start like falling into the whole toxic masculinity like you're you're being dumb about it you know like stop well and and i i do buy that like that toxic masculinity is an effective way to like the the term is effective but i think the response to uh the observation of toxic masculinity it's it's kind of manifested in this weird like neutered uh masculinity that you often see in like more liberal uh folks like project out or even like you know the bro feminist or faux feminist people talk about like joss whedon where he says he's a feminist on paper but he does some sus shit and then it turns out oh yeah we should have me too him a while ago <laughs> you know what i mean and it's it's this kind of expression of trying to divorce yourself from masculinity 
to appear presentable without addressing the elephant in the room that a uh you are a man and you can't divorce yourself from that identity unless you identify differently in which case i support you or b that um people do have distrust distrust does manifest because of you know the actual um applied legacies of sexism and male chauvinism right no i I gotta disagree with you on a um i feel like it is like i'm not gonna say i don't know i mean i've watched the the allegory so i buy it but i disagree i i feel like you you can choose to divorce masculinity in favor of being neutral i don't i wouldn't do it personally uh, I, I don't think I'm a super macho masculine dude. I think I'm just me. But, um... You are, John. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Okay. So, <laughs> I guess my... <laughs> 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 to... So, I guess my point here <laughs> is that, like, I feel like um, there's a difference between, like, your gender identity and masculinity femini- femininity. Right. I feel like you can identify as a man but be hella feminine. So in that in, in that sense, like yeah, you, you can divorce your masculinity. I, I really don't I mean think Prince that did that for his whole career, so fair enough. <laughs> fair. Um I I don't think that it should be like I don't know. I don't wanna I, I wanna say I don't think everyone should do it, but at the same time, like do it if you feel like if it makes you happy. You know, I'm not gonna tell people, you know, not to be masculine. I guess I wouldn't do it myself. But at the same time, I think masculinity and femininity should exist. Not should exist, but like it doesn't hurt. They're not bad, you know. Like they they don't hurt anybody. It's it's the the problem is when they become toxic. So like a lot of people, some people think that like masculinity in and of itself is toxic. No, you know, like if if you're one of those people, no, it's not. But at the same time, don't take it too far, etc. I, I see two things here. Um, self-identification. Let's start. Because I mm-hmm. think that's, John, where I hear you coming in, where you're saying there are two different spectrums here, which I agree, that just because you identify as a man or woman, that does not mean that you need to identify or present necessarily. Exactly. No. Identify with something that does not coincide. Yes, that's, that's that what I'm I think. Hearing, right. And the thing that I'm hearing from Adi, which I also agree with, is Regardless of your own self-identification, who you are in and of itself has implications for how people interact and perceive you in society. Yeah. The parallel that I'm drawing here is how many times in, particularly over this past year, good times, has white fragility come up as far as a white person not being able to understand that regardless of how they see themselves, identify themselves, they still have white privilege, and that very much still impacts how people of color interact with them. They could be the best, most they can they can show up, they can be aware, and nevertheless, people of color may still think twice, interact differently simply because they are white. Understanding how racism and imperialism and colonialism has impacted the world, particularly with white folks being in dominant. And no, I, that also <clears throat> can't be divorced from someone's kind of how they perceive oneself because it's just two different things. It's individual and it's systemic or just societal. 
I see the same kind of parallel being with men in if you show up, particularly if you present masculine, like all the traditional ways a man is, folks are going to think about and have these implicit um, preconceived notions, whether they're right or wrong, when you first come into a room, when they first hear you speak, and they can either correctly or incorrectly ascribe certain qualities to you, like if you're huge, built, traditionally, tradition, like traditional notion of a man, and you come in, it's like, uh, I'm, I, I, I bet you he's such a shit when you come out there. Like, like, that's just <laughs> what that's what people will assume. That's not saying those assumptions are right, but that is how we understand how, as Adi put it, the legacy of sexism and the patriarchy and all these different these different means of oppression that particularly cis white men have imposed on societies across the world has caused folks to have an inherent distrust of them being put in power, them being put into conversation and what they have to say. And that's kind of how I see a distinction, both having validity to them, but just two different kind of domains. I see of that. what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess my... Like, I, I want to elaborate on my point, if that's fine, because I, I think I botched it the first time I brought it up. But I think what I was really trying to get at, and Alex, like, really clarified it, is I really did present, like, a really traditionally masculine, especially, like, when I was in better shape. And I'm just this wider, bigger guy, big, bushy beard. I have, like, a broad face. And people told me at the time yeah. that, like, they found me intimidating. And um, if you've talked to uh, women or... Um, or femmes about like their experiences with men and they feel justifiably afraid at times you you feel this like straight at least for me i felt this strange kind of anger of like well why do i have to be uh perceived a certain way because this guy couldn't keep it in his pants but at the same time you also feel this kind of sense of injustice uh in a in a way of like well no one should have to feel like that in our society. Right, like it's it's hard to blame them. It's hard to blame them, but it's also like, yeah. well, why the fuck do I have to be put under such scrutiny? I'm literally innocent. You know what I mean? That's yeah. such a that's such a good point, especially when talking about like um, what Alex just said about the parallels between being masculine and being white. Like, oh god, you're be giving me flashbacks to that really horrible tree where it's like men are white people. What what level of woke discourse are we on? Just cancel this whole shit, man. Cancel this whole shit. <laughs> is it though? Is it? No, but like, pers- like personally, like going going back to Alex's point about the parallels. Like I know, like there's people in my family that I know, like do not trust white people. Um, especially, it's usually the older generation, like two generations above me, one one I guess one and a half generations above me, and like. You you want to tell them not to be racist, but again, they were alive in the fifties and sixties. Mm, so kind of, right. you know, like like I, I seeing it now. Now that Alex said it out loud, I can definitely see the parallels there. Like when someone is being masculine, and there happens to be a woman there, and she just automatically comes out with the assumptions that they're sexist or that they're a monster. You want to tell her. Don't do that. You want to tell her, stop, drop the preconceived But notions. you'd also be the, the weird time, guy in the you room. You know what I mean? Exactly. Where it's like, hey, I'm one of the good ones. Don't worry about me. Like, you come exactly. off like a creep for saying that. You know, like, the, like yeah, Alex, you're entirely right. The parallels do exist. Hey, you know what's funny is that, like, 
Adi, you just said, like, I'm one of the good ones. But, like, even that sentence has become, like, its own version of toxic toxic masculinity yeah. with the, the fake nice guy. The nice like, guys, yeah. Yeah, like, that's 100% a thing where people, and kind of goes back to what you were saying, Adi, with, like, the performative people, like, saying they're feminists, but in reality, they are just putting on this performance of saying they trust or believe women or they are respectful, not just to women, but to all people of all identities. And then in reality, when you don't give them what they want or they get upset, their true colors mm-hmm. come out and you find out they're just a terrible guy like every other guy who's ever existed. You know? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're all terrible, but don't lump me in with them. Like, I genuinely, like, I, as much no, as... he's talking from their point of view. Yeah, from, from their, their point, point of view. Yeah, exactly. And again, like, I think... Yeah, and I mean, to, to give, like, a real-life example, you know what I mean? Like, Harvey Weinstein, the re- notorious sex maniac that he was. My God. Um, he was on MSNBC saying with his whole ass that Bernie Sanders is a sexist, and that's why I'm voting for Hillary Clinton, and you should be a feminist and vote for Hillary Clinton. And it's like, politics aside, the way that he just weaponized this kind of weird feminist credentials to really launder pathologically horrible behavior... Is, is how I see, like, um, this kind of false beef that we have between male and female identities um, being leveraged to insidious ends. And I think... Yeah, I, no, you're, you're entirely correct there. Like, the, the idea that you have to kind of put on a filter from being a bad person and then pretending that you're a good person, and that filter being feminism or faux feminism, I'll say, I, that's a really good point. That's, that's terrifying, you know? And from a woman's point of view like again like going back to the whole parallels like i i get it you know i I understand why you would think that someone who's hyper masculine could is going to turn out to be a jerk because people who are less have done worse you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. i I understand i i get it um and it's it's just really unfortunate you know what what can you do you know like how am i going to tell my you know my 80 year old you know cousin or whatever that not all white people want to enslave them it it, you know it, it sucks and i understand where he's coming from but like what what can you do to actually make the situation better? Like, how do you how do you fix that? Yeah, because there's no real solidarity yet. What what I think about, and Adi, we've talked about this mm-hmm. before, is the importance of just exposure when it comes to getting people outside of whatever box in whatever identity you want to talk about. Um, like we talked, Adi, you and I talked about the importance of the CMI office mm-hmm. at our alma mater. And how it allowed us as various people in various racial and ethnic identities to come together and not talk about like, oh, well, these are all the differences between X, Y, and Z groups, but just kind of live amongst each other and come to those similarities and differences on our own um, in a way that's not going to be toxic or break people down and make it all weird. Mm -hmm. And just mere exposure is such a powerful means of getting people to break down their own biases if it's allowed it's consistent and things like that and when i think about is and we talk what i hear across the conversation particularly in the last couple of minutes is male fragility when somebody is speaking out about the atrocities of men and someone's like well not me or not all men it's like not all men yeah <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't say you like it's just in general when you hear someone make a uh, a quote-unquote blanket statement that's where they are like I don't feel a, what I would say is I don't feel a need if someone says men are trash 
And I'm just like, but does that include me? Like, bro, just, <laughs> just let it be me. I'm trash. <laughs> like, I, 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 and I recognize where it comes from, and that's, I don't feel a need to defend that or feel like, oh, well, I need to make sure that they know I'm an exception. Like, I could just live and be the exception. Similar to right. like thinking about what Jonathan's talking about with like white folks. Like if a black person or any person of color, non-white person says, like white people just disgust you. Like they, they bother me. I do not want to be around them. <laughs> if, if, it, if it's just kind of like, a white person's like, yeah, I get it. And that's kind of that. It's like, obviously <laughs> if I'm around I'm sorry. you, if I'm around, if, if a person of color is around a white person, they, they're copping out and they're telling them that obviously you are not the problem. Disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> you're not, but you don't need to highlight like, well, there's me, and I'm not a problem. Like, you just, it, it comes across. Congrats! Now you are the problem. Across, right? Like it, it makes it makes something that wasn't an issue now an issue. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. Right, a self fulfilling prophecy of sorts, but also it's like just be an individual. If you like, never take away that individual part of you. If you are a part of the problem, you recognize inherently they're not talking. Yeah. It, it, I, it, just, it just is what it is. It, yeah, like, it, it really, insecurity is the loudest, and confidence is the quietest one. You know what I mean? That's, like, something I always try to remember is that, like, if you know you're not something, you don't, you don't feel the need to justify it to someone. You know what I mean? So those people who are mm-hmm. up in arms and angry about people, it comes from that fragility and that insecurity. And... I mean, I, I don't know what the, the answer or the solution to it is. Uh, I think the solution is probably for men to start a podcast, probably, I think. Instead of uh, going to therapy? Yeah, correct, correct. Well, <laughs> there, there is something to be said about men need to go to therapy. And I mean, in the yeah, sense of, yes, right. men need a space to work through these insecurities and pathologies, of course. But I again, some of it does tend to be like a class-based resentment, too, of like, you know, not all of us have the means to get to therapy, and I think if you want men to go to uh, to go to therapy instead of doing X, uh, maybe you should support Medicare for all. Just saying. Mm. Mm. But um, yeah. speaking back to what speaking back to what um, Alex said about exposure fixing a lot of uh, a lot of prejudice in terms of like masculinity and in terms of race. Um, I feel that's a really good point, but I've personally seen exposure act like a double-edged sword mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. you, you you see you know I have a friend who literally hates white people um, now granted he had a very bad experience like terrifying experience like I I get it I completely understand why he had that notion but then like I feel like I mean what happened good. did he get stuck in Macomb County because I'd be terrified too but oh uh, no I don't want to say I don't want to say because he might watch this podcast but okay. Um, I guess my point is that like um, exposure is good, but I feel like the key is more of like a I don't want to say like a guided exposure because like I don't want to yeah. I don't want to try to shape their worldview, but at the same time like for example I was hanging out with him the other day and he's like you know like a white person he shows me a video of a white person like hitting someone or something he was like you know white people like this I'm like yeah I mean but like I know how you are in real life so like don't commit that to you know. Don't don't add that it's a list of evidence to actually hate white yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. It's just a it's just a random video, and so like, I, I exposure is the answer. Don't get me wrong, diversity and exposure, one hundred percent, I think, is will fix ninety nine percent of all problems with prejudice, racism, and sexism. But I feel like I feel like you need a guide almost, like 
Like, yeah. look at this. Don't, I mean, this is happening too, but also look at this. Well, <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. Focus is, on this, you know. Is, you know, you, you brought up that it'll fix 99% of it and you need a guide. I don't think you need a in-person guide, but I think it needs to be like a guiding principle behind yeah, that okay. exposure. And I think at least in my conception of the world, and I bring up my left-wing politics into this a lot, but I think when we get exposed to peoples of different walks of life or people who are different from us, it's more important to have a solidarity-based understanding to guide you, not just one of like, you know, it's virtuous to be exposed to a diverse thing. I mean, yes, it is a good thing, but I think the collective understanding of, well, even if we're different, we're sharing the planet, we're in this together, and violence isn't really solving our problems in that case. That, to me, is an effective guide in that. And it's it's rough. It's really rough to build that. And I'm, it's easy for me to say it uh, behind my uh, limited edition podcasting mic and chair. But... <laughs> But, <laughs> but, but like, that's, that's how I feel about this is that yeah. we're, we're in this, we're in this together. We're in, we're in the darn thing together. Okay. Some of us were sorted on the basis of gender identity. We're sorted by race. We're sorted by, and those create real material, uh, and lived experiences. That's unquestionable. But it's moving past that and saying, like, well, we're in this together, whether we like it or not, that I think is going to guide us past uh, solving 99% of the problem, maybe solving 100% of it. That's how I see it. I think, yeah, just like really embracing our our differences. I know that's kind of cliche, but embracing the differences, embracing, like, our different perceptions and breaking down those biases. It's just a huge like you guys said, like just kind of echoing what you guys all said, it's, it comes down to exposure and understanding being empathetic to what other people are living through and being genuinely kind and uh, humble and gracious about your own experience. Cause like, despite all what we've all said and all of our experiences, like relative to most of the world, we've all had very privileged lives. Right. So we also have to be aware of that mm-hmm. and try to treat others with empathy just because they haven't had the exposure like we have, you know? So just because someone may be presenting like with these very toxic or negative traits, we can't just dismiss them and think these are terrible people. They can't be saved, you know? Um, and like, I, th- I think we try to all do a good job of that, but it's really easy not to, you know, it's very easy to see someone being a crappy person and just think this is a terrible person. Nothing can save him. Nothing can fix him. But I think for me, going back to masculinity, like for me, what being a man is, is like doing the right thing and helping others. Like that's always what my definition of being a man is. So I think that's kind of how we fix it, like you guys said. So, Abad, I have a question for you. Do you think think that in terms of masculinity, accountability is a big thing? Like do you think that us men should be accountable? (laughs) We got to be held accountable? Absolutely. I, no, not. I, I don't mean. And when I when I mean accountable, I don't mean. I mean specifically like men being accountable for other men. Like I don't know how to describe it. Like like should we like should we be on the hook yeah. for other men's behavior? Um, not on the not on the hook, but more of but literally accountable. Like literally, like 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 kind of guiding other men. Other yeah, less. I don't want to say lesser men, but guiding other people. Guiding lesser men. <laughs> we went full far right turn on that <laughs> one, guys. Else. God damn it. <laughs> I, I agree, John. I think that's actually 
what I've kind of tried to do with a lot of my like my Arabic friends who come from this traditional background and like almost like again exposing them and not even like with the intent of like hey let me take you to my side but just kind of being honest with them like I, I remember I had a conversation with my with my friends about like uh, trans high school athletes and like whether they should be able to um, compete in their preferred gender mm-hmm. and you know there's all the typical like oh they have a competitive advantage blah 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 all that stuff but like once I kind of broke down their argument and like just kind of showed them that like at the end this is just a form of discrimination they they just saw it for what it was and eventually agreed with me and they were like you know what you're right like when you explained it to me and broke it down like I see your point and it actually makes a lot of sense so I think for me that is something that I've tried to do with like my friends because I know they are capable capable of it they just haven't had that exposure hmm. I um I know I got about three minutes left before I gotta mm-hmm. head out so um I have one or two points first yeah. um the thing I'm hearing in part is that there is no one single solution and I think that's really important to acknowledge because typically when when folks have conversations on things such as social issues, they'll find one, maybe two different things and say, like, if we do this more, if we do this in a particular way, if we do this um, with these things in mind, then that's going to solve, again, 99.9% of the issue like it's a Lysol. But <laughs> the, I am a strong believer in having multifaceted solutions. Because for some people, having exposure, as John mentioned, it's a double-edged sword. Because maybe they don't have the necessary people or resources or just tools at their disposal to be able to facilitate that properly to where it's actually going to be a positive experience. Right? And that's just that. So then what else could you do? You can make it to where you're taking like more of a My Brother's Keeper approach. Like what Obad is saying with talking with other Arab men about various issues to try to educate or oftentimes re-educate them and break them out of this cycle that they've been put in to believe something that is biased, ignorant, or in some way oppressive. But just thinking about going to other different ways of just kind of getting people to see beyond their preconceived notions or the boxes that they've been led to believe the entire world can be encompassed in is some is the reason why I'm in education. That's why I'm about to get this master's in higher yeah, education is to just yeah, you are. understand yeah. how are the various ways that you can get people to go beyond their own limitations in one way, shape, or form or another. And I think that's important to keep in mind because the more that we get caught in these niches of what we value, of what we deem is important, the less perspective we will have of the other ways that people in other realms are trying to accomplish this same thing. Us four are not the only people that's trying to deconstruct masculinity, but we inherently will have a limited view. And that's why, Adi, I gotta give you praise just for one, making a podcast, but two, making sure you're bringing on people from various walks of life because it allows for the conversation to be much more rich than what it would be if you only stuck to a finite group. So I just wanted to say that again, thank you, Adi, for having me on. That is my time. I appreciate just having been a part of the conversation. 
Drop Powerful. Below. It was my pleasure having you on, man. And thanks Alex, for, I love you. Thanks for that. And I'm not afraid to say it. Love y'all too. Have a good one, y'all. <laughs> All right. Thanks for going on, Alex. All right. Any closing thoughts from you two before we uh, eventually close this off to Muddy Waters Managed Boy? Dude, uh, how do you how do you follow that up? What do you mean is there any closing? Like, yeah, how do you? <laughs> you know, I, I actually thought of this last night, and I was like, this would kind of be a fun question, you know, a more lighthearted question to end the podcast. Uh, but when was the last time you guys cried? Shit, last night, bro. God, <laughs> okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll play it. I'll play it. But um, that's actually something. It's it, it's funny you brought that up because I think lately. With the pandemic and how alienated I think we're all feeling, it's been tougher. It's been tougher to cry lately. I'll put it that way. You know, I, I, I don't know what happened to. I think I got emotions one day, but like I just am crying at everything now, dude. Like, and it's well, it's, we can it's, normalize it's, crying. We can weaponize <laughs> crying. We can normalize weaponizing like, crying, and we can I'm weaponize like, normalizing you know, crying. I have emotions now. I, I woke up. Wake up to film to record a podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I and it's like I'm saying it's embarrassing, but it's not really. But um, I I find myself getting more hap- like happy crying more often. Like I get emotional. Like I was watching like this very um, and why I brought up the questions like two or three days ago. I was watching like this very like emotional sweet anime movie and it was just like a really wholesome scene and i just found myself like tearing up and getting really emotional I'm like man like when did this happen you know <laughs> so i think that's like i don't know i was just curious i don't know when the last time i sad cried was though it has i don't, I don't know yeah yeah but yeah i'm just a big old baby now i don't know what happened i don't know i don't i don't get a lot of like happy tears very often you know, yeah. but you know, sometimes you get close, you know, the, the goosebumps, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, damn, I finally feel something for once. You know? right. <laughs> is, this, is this, is this, is this, is this happiness? <laughs> well, maybe I do need therapy. You can't spell, you can't spell happiness without penis. Am I? Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Preach my brother. That's masculinity right there. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. That well, you know, I'm glad I just uh, just want to put it out there, you know. I'm mm-hmm. an emotional man, and I'm not afraid of it. You should yeah, be. Man. Cry more often. I'm trying to. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of issues, dude. Oh, dude. Gotcha. <laughs> Go to therapy. Yeah, yeah, that's you. That's on the list. <laughs> All right. Anything from you, John, before I eventually do our ending plugs? Um, yeah, I guess I'll say that um, people are great. People suck. Um, masculinity can be good or bad, depending on who's doing it. No one really knows what we're doing. No one knows what masculinity is, so just do you, and that's masculine. Um, there's no perfect answer to tie a bow on every problem in the world, specifically mm-hmm. with you know discrimination, prejudice, and all that. Don't fall into the idea that since it's not a perfect solution, none should be taken. And uh, live your life, I guess. Yeah, yeah man. Just, uh, just be happy, be nice to people, uh, and be confident in yourself. That's what I would end in it. You know, it's hard to do, but anyone can do it. Just take time. Preach. Well, if you want to stay happy, 
You should continue listening to Greenhouse Gaslighting on all your favorite podcast you apps <laughs> and follow us on social media. The links are in the doobly-doo below. With that, dear listener, that's our 10th episode. So with that, I'll let y'all go. Bye for now.